When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wish you could just shut your big yapper. Now it's time for a long walk to Cleveland with Rudy Povich. Good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and every morning live on Instagram. That shit sounds pretty good on blow, mixed with tequila and wine. On an empty stomach. Yo, what's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on a long walk to Cleveland. My name is Rudy. Find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And every day at 9.45 a.m. on Instagram, we take a short walk to Cleveland. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast on the YouTube. A uh, couple of shows coming up here soon. If you ain't got a chance to get out to a comedy club, do so. I'll be at Gutty's the last weekend of January. That's the 27th, 28th, 29th, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Also, uh, the Super Bowl weekend, 12th and 13th. Excuse me, 11th, 12th, right? Because, yeah, 11th, 12th, Friday, Saturday. I'll be at Gutty's featuring there, and then the last weekend of February. Also February 12th, that same night, uh, I'm going to be at Crane, which is uh, downtown Minneapolis, the Minnesota Music Cafe. Crane Bar, they got a charity event going on, uh, getting up, doing a little bit of time. For my guy, Lahairu, who is a local dude, really good in the community, nice guy. You can check him out. Uh, I'll get you more information on that here soon. But uh, today on the show, incredibly fortunate that this gal has bef- uh, befriended me over the last couple of months. We've known each other for years, but just kind of acquaintances. And, and it just happened to be happenstance that uh, Maggie Ferris and I just sort of, our worlds are colliding more and more as time is going on. And I couldn't be happier because uh, she is one of the sweetest goddamn people on the planet. Seriously, I got lucky enough. I was up at uh, House of Comedy one night. She was up there doing a show. I just went to go watch. I wasn't there for any other reason other than to have a couple of drinks and kick my feet back. She was headlining, and she walked out of the uh, the main room and said, Hey, uh, our feature tonight, for whatever reason, wrote it down in her calendar that different date, so we got nobody. You want to get up and feature for me? It was like one of the fucking best nights of my life. God, dude, she's awesome. I love everything about her. She's so goddamn funny. Please! Let's all take a long walk to Cleveland with the one and only Maggie Ferris. I say this all the time, man. Like when I got that dog, everyone's like, you know what you got to do? You got to take that dog out to the, uh, to the parks in Minneapolis. Cause the ladies are going to be all over you. I'm like, I've, I've, I've walked that dog for the circumference of the planet and have not gotten one phone number because of him. <laughs> I swear to God. Minneapolis? What's that? You walk around the lakes in Minneapolis? Yeah. And nothing. Not a thing. So, yeah. It's crazy. Which I was like, that's what I mean. That's partially the reason. I mean, not only because it fulfills my daughter's life to have him around us, but also because I kind of wanted somebody as a wingman, you know? But nothing. I get nothing. Paul, you are failing at your job. Yeah. As cute as that goddamn dog is, you know, and here's the thing for the first five years of life, he was a stud dog. That's all he did. He yeah. Does all, yeah. That's all he did was make puppies. They did eat kibble, lay on the ground, make puppies. 
dude, start like sharing, sharing the, the fruits of our labor here, my friend. Like, you, you would think he'd be the best wingman dog in the whole wide world because yeah. of his status, but no. It's frustrating. Uh, you are super big into the, uh, into the fostering and care of dogs. Oh, we love dogs hard at our house. Yeah. How many you got? Just three right now. Yeah. But you guys have kind of a revolving door of fosters that you take care of, right? Sometimes, sometimes right now. No, but sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You can always tell like that is the, it's like a graffiti on the overpasses in a city. Like people who foster dogs are good people. Cities that have a ton of graffiti on the overpasses, shitty cities, you know, you can just kind of tell. It's true, but we have a hard time uh, giving them back. We're very good foster fails, so it's hard to foster. Like one dog that we have right now is the foster fail. And mm-hmm. uh, the last one was successfully placed in a new home. So, you know, we keep our fingers crossed and we're always looking. I think our next kind of venture is just adopting old, old dogs that people surrender because they're old and they don't, you know, they need too much care, but I think that's our next kind of adventure is old dogs and then keep, you know, let them have a happy, happy, happy retirement till they're done and then get another one. Yeah. Did you guys have dogs when you were growing up? Oh yeah. I, I think, God, I can't. Yeah. We've always had dogs. Yeah. Where'd you grow yeah. up? I grew up in Minneapolis. Did you? Yes, I did. I, I don't know why that strikes me as like, I guess maybe because I just know you to be so like down to earth. You seem like, uh, you seem like such a country, not, like such a country gal. Such a, such a farmer's wife, huh? <laughs> Growing up the day off a tractor and such. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Making stew, got a big uh, triangle bell outside yeah. that you ring every day oh. at noon for the fellas to come and eat. Yeah. Come on, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I didn't realize you grew up in Minneapolis. Yeah. Where did, uh, yeah. where... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're saying? No, we lived right by near Lake Harriet until I was like 11. And then we moved to St. Paul and, uh, lived there till I was like 18. And then I've been jumping the river ever since mm-hmm. back and forth. So did you go, did you start like elementary school and such in Minneapolis or was that all St. Paul as well? Went to Burroughs Elementary, yo, yeah. Burroughs. Yeah, shout out Cougars. What's up, Burroughs? Yeah. I don't know if that was your mascot or not, but I just assume. I always say Cougars because there's like at least a 33% chance that you got it right when you say Cougar. Oh, no. Yeah. Do they, they have mascots in elementary school? We actually had one, St. Leo's Lions. But we were such oh. a, so, yeah, that's, yeah. But we were such so, a small school. We had to go to Greenhaven to be able to like do sports. Cause there was only like 15 kids sure. in our class, you know? So yeah, but it was, uh, but yeah, the St. Leo's lions. And then I don't know, I, I look back on all, like all those elementary days and it's cool that there are still, especially with like social media, it's great that you can still foster those relationships with people that, because every Isn't now it- and yeah, you'll, you, every now and again, you'll, you'll like find something in a box and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have that ashtray. Could you imagine making an ashtray in like third grade for your parents? Now there's not a chance in hell they would ever allow that. Oh, that would be banned from the kiln. I believe. Wouldn't yeah. it? I oh mean, yeah. We did a you'd have uh, frisbee, a clay frisbee. 
<laughs> yeah, dad's super into frisbee golf, you know, and all sorts of things. I, yeah, it would have to go along. What would they make, man? What would they make nowadays? Would, the clay frisbee. I like the clay frisbee. There would have oh, to be like a clay. Just a bowl. Like yeah. a coffee something. I don't know. Yeah. When you said something bowl. When you said bowl, though, I, I, may, I automatically assumed that it was actually like something for the parents to smoke reefer out of. Of course, a bong or something or yeah. a pipe. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could get that through a lot easier than you could an ashtray. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nowadays. Oh, my God. Yeah. Could you could you imagine telling like your teachers that your parents smoke in the house? They fuck, man. They lose it. They'd call social services. They totally would. You would yeah. be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, so elementary school, you start in Minneapolis, then moving into junior high. Was that all on the other side of town, St. Paul? Yeah, I went to uh, the convent of the visitation for sixth, seventh and eighth grade. It was probably the worst years of my life ever. Why is that? And, oh, it was just cutthroat. Like you just had to be like a rich fashionista or you were not important. You know, it was very clicky and Oh, ugh, I hated it. Um, but I would come home from school every day and cry and ask to go to a new school. But uh, that didn't happen until ninth grade. Ninth grade, I went to Minnehaha, which was much better for me. Really? Minnehaha yeah. Academy? Yes, sir. That's okay. the one. Okay. The one blew up a couple of years ago. Yeah, right on. Which you had absolutely nothing to do with. <laughs> no, I like that. I didn't do anything. I don't know where this fertilizer came from, officer. It's just in the backyard in a giant pile. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So uh, tough in school because why? What do you mean? Like, what was what was so tough about going to that school? I know you said, like, was it like a lot of teasing that would go on? Or was it a lot of bullying? Or was it? When I went to visitation, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was terrible bullying, terrible uh you know, I didn't have any self-confidence back then. I didn't know who I was back then. And they were just mean. They just make fun of you relentlessly. And mm -hmm. they were very clicky. And I didn't have any friends. I didn't have anyone I could really relate to. And so it was a really hard time for me, I think. Do you think that's maybe where your quick wit came from? Sure. I'm sure that helped. I mean, I'm sure making people laugh was a way probably one of the only ways to get people close to me, you know, um, I just sort of, uh, bit my lip and, and bared it, bared it. That's a terrible word. Bored, just sort yeah, of, I, know. I sort of took it until ninth grade when I was able to leave. So, but yeah, it was hard. And I'm sure that's where some of my wit developed. And I was always kind of a quirky kid, you know, a very artsy, unique, different, always creative ideas and stuff like that. And that just wasn't a welcome environment for that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like what were so, some of the, what were some of the things that you were putting together at that formative age? Oh my God. I would do uh, little music videos and dances and I would, I would always, give, I'd give my left arm to see one of your music videos from, yeah. from eighth grade. No, nothing. And oh, I used to do impressions of like Cheech and Chong and Strange Brew. And I used to just quote those movies verbatim. And um, it, yeah, I, I mean, I was always, I guess, silly and, and, and doing things different my own way. Yeah. Do you still got those impressions in your back pocket that you can pull out every now and again? Oh, 
God. No, I can't do that. I mean, I was really good at Cheech and Chong back in the day, but I, I don't think I've tried it in 20 years, 30 years, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's funny when you get around people that are very good at it and you think your impression is good because I, I got like an acquaintance of mine, Jonathan Kite, who does like, I mean, his job is to go in and do like when um, Jeff Bridges can't make it to a, a, like a voiceover gig, they bring in Jonathan to voice over like words because he sounds that much like Jeff Bridges. And the first time we had ever chatted, he was talking about impressions. And I was like, I kind of did a, it's like impromptu walking in front of him, not knowing that he has like the best walking ever, you know? So I said something like, I'll stick you in the face with a soldering iron. And then John Kite just rips into walking. And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. I don't think I ever need to do John Christopher Walken ever again. <laughs> That's why I'm not even going to attempt it right now. There's no way. It's not good. It was good for, you know, a 12 year old kid, but that's it. Yeah. So all that stuff, the Cheech and Chong, the, uh, that, that was all the stuff that you were kind of growing up on. Like what else was also in the, uh, the Strange album pile? Brew, I remember watching Strange Brew dozens of times and just knowing that movie by heart. I mean, I probably haven't seen it in 30 years, but I loved Bob and Doug McKenzie more than anything. Did you watch that? Have you seen that movie? I've seen it. I saw it as, as a child as well and loved it yeah. and then tried yeah. to revisit it probably like five years ago. It's terrible. It's awful. It's terrible. It is so Besides dumb people and children. Yeah, it's so bad. The best thing that came out of Bob and Doug McKenzie was the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, poser. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when they're like, yeah, five golden toots. And that was it. <laughs> Other than that, it didn't, but the rest of it was not that good. I don't know why, but it just, yeah, it, it, I don't know. There's all these things that you love when you're a child, like Elf. Oh my God, the television show Elf, you know, Alien Life Form. I tried to watch that like 10 years ago and was like, I can't believe I wasted my youth on this piece of horseshit. Doesn't hold up. It just doesn't hold up. No, it's, ah, it's so bad. So then where did you, did, so Minnehaha, that must have been, that was all ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. You graduated through Minnehaha? Yes, I did. Right on. What did your parents do? I mean, not that we need to like go down that route too much, but what did they do? Because I know Minnehaha is a private school and it costs quite a bit to be able to go there. Yeah, they were both attorneys. And I come from a family of attorneys and um, politicians, really. My grandpa was a federal judge and um, my uncle was attorney general for a while. And they campaigned with Hubert Humphrey and um, yeah, both of my parents are attorneys. That's crazy. Interesting. My is 80 years old and still works full-time as an attorney. Really? Wow. Yeah. So what do they think of, what do they think of when you come to Thanksgiving and they're like, so what are you up to? And you're like, well, I'm making a web series about a lesbian who, you know, does woodworking. Sure. They love it. They actually, they've been very supportive of it. You know, they, I think they've always wanted me to have kind of a backup just in case, which uh, I was very hesitant to do for probably the first 10 years of comedy. And um, but now that I have a backup and I make OK money, you know, um, doing comedy and fun stuff, they they love it. Yeah. It's weird when your parents can see because 
I think every parent wants their kid to be able to go out and live a life that is better than theirs. So when yeah. they, so when you start walking down that path, that is typically one where you, you know, you're probably going to phase out in about six years and you might have wasted some time and they tend to get a little apprehensive, but when they can finally start seeing that it's working for you and you're doing well, that makes such a huge difference because they will eventually, they'll look at it and be like, okay, this is a viable thing that this person is now doing. Yeah. And like, they'll come to shows every once in a while and they can't get over how funny I am. And they're like, wait, you were never this funny. And I'm like, yeah, I was, you just, I was annoying to you and you wanted me to, (laughs) but you know, they're very proud now and they will bring their friends sometimes. And it's, it's, it's fun to see them out there. I actually, my first show I've ever done when my father was in the crowd once we, do you remember that comedy club in Hopkins? Did you ever go to that one? Oh, uh, the Hopkins. Um, maybe which one was that? It's called. Oh, the Royal. the Royal. Yeah. The Royal theater or something like that. Yeah. And I, there were four people in the audience, no, three people in the audience. And one of them was my father and he sat there cross-armed the whole time. And I actually, cause I was getting paid like a hundred bucks to do the show and they paid 20 bucks to get in. So I said, Hey, all three of you, I'll give you your money back if you want to just call it a night and not go to the show because I still would have come out on top. Right. But <laughs> no, we the show. So the other couple fell asleep and then it was my father and it was awesome. Wow. Uh, so what was his reaction afterwards? Was he like, I'm, even though it was just me, I'm super proud. Or was he like, okay, well, I guess I'll see you Sunday for dinner. <laughs> no, he was like, oh, that was great. That was really fun. I'm glad you did the show. And I'm like, oh, you don't know how painful that was, you know? Yeah. But it is what it is. They're still, I mean, they're very, in general, very proud and supportive and happy to, to, to watch whatever I'm doing. I will say though, the series that I did, my mother didn't like it so much. She's like, why are you so mean to that man? Why are you so mean to that man? And I'm like, it's just her character. And she's like, I don't like it. It's too mean. It's yeah. There's comedy and conflict. Yeah. 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 And a lot of times, yeah. I don't know. I try. It's weird how parents will look at that stuff and be like, I don't get why you just wasted 10 hours of your, of your life trying to put this together. And you're like, because out of it might come like four minutes of gold that gets right. me to the next thing, you know? Right, right, right. And it was really, she can't get past how mean she is though. She can't, she just can't get past it, which is fine. I get it. You know, it is mean, but it's funny too. You want to give a plug to uh, Hillary Clint? Sure. Watch Dyke It Yourself. You can go to dykeityourself.com. It's on YouTube and I don't know, all the other platforms. Enjoy. Rudy, uh, you did the segment on that and it's beautiful. Oh, well, thank you. You want to throw a, uh, you want to throw one of the episodes in right now? We'll just shoehorn it into the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Play, play picture frame. That's my favorite. No. Yep. Okay. Play picture frame. Welcome to Dyke It Yourself. I'm Hillary Clint, and I'm here to help you dyke it yourself. Today, we'll be making a picture frame. Why would you need a picture frame? To put a picture in, dumbass. I'm trying to get you to explain things in a more friendly tone so your viewers start to like you. They already like me. We don't have millions of views for no reason. We don't have millions of views. I've seen dozens of people that say they've seen the show millions of times. Your mom has seen the show. 
Well, your, your mom has seen the first word of this series I showed her to her last night. Gross. She loved it. She was like, give me more. I want to know more about that. For this project, you'll need a miter saw or a circular saw. If you don't have one of those, you're just not butch enough for this project. Are there other ways they can complete the project? They could buy pre-cut wood like a bunch of pussies. Hey babe, I run to the store. Do you need anything? I need you to get over here and motorboat me with them titties. Also, say hi to the camera. Did you say that on live TV? It's shit like that that's gonna make this shit go viral. Or get us complaint letters. <laughs> get over here with them titties! What is this, 1922? No one writes letters anymore. Do you even know how much a stamp costs? For this, you'll need four pieces of wood. Now that's four more pieces of wood than any lesbian should ever need. But for the first two pieces, we're gonna measure and cut 14 inches off the trim. Then we're gonna cut 13.2 inches for the outer measurement. Now I just said trim and wood in the same sentence. Would you like to explain how to measure wood? I got your wood right here, JJ. Not exactly what I had in mind when I asked you to measure wood, but should have seen that coming. You just said measure, coming, and wood in the same sentence. Honestly. Stop making it so easy for me, beef stick. So in high school, uh, be it as you come from such a pedigree of, you know, long lasting attorneys and, you know, politicians, were your grades good enough to be able to go on to like a D1 snow? <laughs> Not so much. Barely graduated. I graduated like 104 out of 108 or something like that. Like I was a terrible student in high school, but I did get, I used to ski race and I got a ski scholarship to go to Montana, uh, Rocky Mountain College in Billings. And so I went out there for a year and I did not really like it. So I came back. No kidding. Isn't that weird? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Sometimes people give off vibes, but I've never pinpointed you as a skier type. I know, right? I used to race. I used to go to all the Junior Olympics and U.S. Nationals and all that crazy crap. Uh, coming up with Lindsey Vaughn then? Oh, she was around my time. Uh, remember Peekaboo Street? Yes. Yep, I raced with her at the, uh, it was like Junior Olympics in Lake Placid. Um you know, I didn't know any of those people or anything like that. And I always finished like dead last at, at U.S. Nationals. <laughs> Listen, at U.S. Nationals, I lost a pole in the starting gate. And um, I was just so thrown off by it that I did not do well. Like even the lady with one leg beat me. So I was, you know, dead last. Dead, um, dead last. Yeah, the one-legged skier. That's t- if you, there's no there's no upside because if you lose, then you lost to a one-legged skier. But if you win, then people are like you you yeah you raced against a one-legged skier. Right, no way to win that. So I should have just crashed and just said done with it. But I didn't. I finished and I finished last. But you know what? Those were awesome experiences. So I don't. I and I have actually been thinking lately about try trying skiing again. I haven't skied for. 20 years, 30 years. I really, I really gave it up after high school, you know, after that year in college, I was just burnt out. You know, it was something that you were doing seven days a week and training in the summer and so much training. And I was just burnt out, but I'd really like to try it again. So I I'm, I'm thinking about doing that. 
What about your wife? Is she uh, into the outdoors as much as you were or are? She, she is a runner. She runs a lot. She uh, likes to bicycle a lot. She likes, you know, a lot of exercise and walking around the lakes and we walk the dogs and, but she loves, she loves exercising. She's a very, this is her first year. She did a half marathon. And so it was pretty amazing to me. While, uh, I mean, I cheered her on and everything, but I, I'm not a runner. No. <laughs> it's like one of the most miserable things one can ever do. And especially like I, I got up on Thanksgiving morning, I had to run somewhere early, like right away. And I, I don't remember where I was going, but I saw like a pack of people running and I was like, fuck you. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> fuck you. My wife and I are very opposite in a lot of ways. Uh, that's kind of what makes us click sometimes, but yeah, I can't, I tried running one year about maybe five or 10 years ago. I tried and I got up to like 55 minutes on the treadmill and I, my goal was an hour. And I just, even then I was like, I hate this. I hate it so much. I never got a runner's high. It hurt. I didn't, it was, no, it's not for me. No, thank you. No, no. And especially like I, when you go to the gym, there's a kid who's there all the time and he used to run for like the university of Minnesota. And I see him doing this weird stridey toe hit thing. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing with your feet there, bud? And he's like, Oh, it's called a toe strike. You gotta, you gotta run on the balls of your feet. You can't, you can't be running flat footed. So I'm like, all right. So he kind of showed me how to do it. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe if I can do this, I'll really get into running. I ran like sure. that for like seven minutes and then went home, woke up the next morning. My calves felt like somebody stuck M80s in them. And I'm like, never mind. I'll never do this again. I cannot imagine the pain of that. No. Just that, that, that such a, taking such a specific muscle component and working it so hard. I just, it, it would probably take you days to recover. You'd have yeah. to start a minute. You'd have to start at like 30 seconds and then gradually move up. <laughs> It's unneeded pain, Rudy. It's unneeded pain. Unnecessary. Knock it off, you people. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, uh, speaking of your wife, uh, I had this thought the other day. Well, the last time that we all kind of got together was September. And uh, yeah. Out, yeah, we had the outdoor party here at my house. And when you guys left, my uh, my friend uh, Tori and her husband, Nick, are so in love with you two. Absolutely love you both. Uh, Tori keeps asking me when the uh, CD recording is going to be happening, which uh, I know we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but uh, I, uh, as we were chatting, I said, uh, I said, you know what uh, Maggie and her wife remind me of, and this is going to sound like a pejorative, but it's not. Uh, you two are uh, both Hollywood depictions of lesbians, but on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Do you know what I mean? Bad. That's so True and funny, totally. <laughs> like L word or one of those fancy lesbian shows, and I would be like the which one in jail on Orange is the New Black, right? Exactly. Yes, it's either you get a gal who like knows how to like work on small engines, or it's a woman in yeah. like a, a like a mini skirt, and you know, is super fashionable. Yeah. And you guys both encapsulate both <laughs> ends of the Hollywood spectrum. For sure, for sure, we couldn't, <laughs> and we couldn't be more traditional butch femme i think for sure yeah now how long have you guys been married uh three plus years how long together five plus years right on yeah. what was the uh what was the thing that got your crank moving 
with her. Yeah. Oh, you should. She's the nicest lady in the whole wide world. She's just a very caring, lovely human being. And not only that, but we, I mean, I think we have very similar kind of core values, which is really important. And I, I, we laugh, we laugh all the time. She's great at playing and having fun. And we just have similar kind of things that we think are absurd and, and, so that's that's really where we click. Plus, she loves dogs. She loves the fair just as much as I do. And so I think that's kind of what initially sparked us together. But to have, uh, you know, someone who's a good balance is is has been really nice. And I think that's what helps us to work. But she's she's a lovely, lovely human being. You know, she's mm-hmm. just very and very sweet and she's so good to people and she's really good at like this is so far out of my realm like she knows everyone's birthday and she makes sure to contact everyone on their birthday and and find out what they want to do to celebrate their birthday I couldn't care less about birthdays I don't even think about birthdays but that's just what you know she goes way above and beyond to to be good to people and I just think that's a lovely quality to have and I love her for it yeah, people like that are also like great gift givers. They're super, oh, yeah. super thoughtful. And I'm just like, I, I don't know, on my way to the party, I'll swing by Target. Yes, that's how I am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. That I'm going to re gift you. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Cause I don't know, like my sister's like that too. Just super sweet, super nice. Just everything about her is lovely. And when it's time for us to like go and, you know, pick out gifts or we have to do, I just tell her, I'm like, whatever it is, I'll just split it. I'll just give you money. Just I'm too busy. I don't want, I don't. And plus my brain doesn't go there. Every, and here's the thing I've also figured out about it is that when you are known as like a terrible gift giver, Oh, what do we got here? This is her birthday list. And, uh, she just put your name on there. And so we need to know your birthday. This is her, this is her chart. She just handed about birthdays because so Rudy, what's your birthday? September 13th. Ooh, right by September. Too soon, Rudy. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Two days after September 11th, Rudy. Come on. Oh, that was a because I turned 21 like no. two, two days after. Yeah. So it so September 11th happened on my buddy Jim's birthday. So everything was shut down. We couldn't go out. And then September 12th, we were like, wow, we're all going to die. And then September 13th, it was like, well, we're all going to die. So let's just go out and get completely shit faced. Yeah. So we kind of celebrated both of our birthdays on September 13th and it was a train wreck and I don't ever, ever want to do it. Oh my God. I'm sure you did it up. I'm sure you did it to town. Well, I I was also in Wisconsin at the time. So, you know, the bar time is 2.30 and then on top of it, we're all like, well, the world's coming to an end anyways. So let's just, yeah, man. Hit it hard, man. Yeah. Woke up the next day. I was just like, I feel very American. Like I'm very patriotic, but it's going to have to wait till like September 17th when I can get my shit together. Cause this is going to be a couple of days. Yeah. Speaking of birthdays, when's yours? April 5th. Hey, also coming up. Right on. I'm going to be the big five. Oh, bullshit. No, I'm not bullshitting you. What? My birthday this list right here. <laughs> wow. Well, it's, 
It is kind of crazy because I was at uh, one of my favorite bands of all time are the Goodyear Pimps from Rockford, Minnesota, or uh, Rockford, Illinois. And I went and saw them and Stu, their lead singer on stage was like, yeah, man, just turned 54. And I'm like, that guy, for whatever reason, like we don't look, remember 54 year olds when we were kids, 54 year olds oh. looked like they were 80. So old. So yeah. old. And now like you say you're turning 50 and I would have never, ever pegged you past. I mean, I thought you and I were like maybe a year or two apart. That was it. Well, how 41. Yeah, no, we're nine, nine years apart. That's insane. Yeah. It's long time. It gets weirder every day and it goes faster every day. Do you think our parents thought the way we think at 50 when they were 50? Or maybe not our parents, but definitely our grandparents. Because when I turned 30, I remember sitting in my kitchen, like I was making an omelet, listening to Ice Cube, just like today was a good day. And I'm like, my grandfather at 30 would never be singing Ice Cube ever. No way, no way, because I still feel like a little kid, but now I'm starting to look like a grandma. And I'm like, how is this going to work when I'm, you know, just swearing up a storm and karate chopping shit and I'm 90, you know, how's that going to work? It's going to be weird. Yeah. about all the people that have tattoos. Nobody in my parents' day had tattoos except sailors. That's yeah, it. And yeah. everyone does. I got SpongeBob SquarePants on me. Am I going to need that when I'm 80? He's going to sag one day. You know, he's going to be all a wrinkly sponge and yeah. he's going to be crippled. I mean, that's just going to be the way it is. But I mean, it's just different. It's just, it's so different. Look at the way that people are. Uh, I mean, like my parents stayed married for years and years and years and years and years, and their their parents stayed married and forever. And uh, you know, today people are like, yeah, open throuple, whatever. You know, whatever floats you. It's just different. It's totally yeah. different. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy the way that even just like professionally how we do things now. You know, back in the day, it was like your mom and dad went to go work at the post office. 30 years, 30 years later, they got a gold watch and then retired. Where nowadays, yep. people at like 53 are just hitting the reset button and going back to college because they're like, I- I'm not done. I got a lot left to give and I'm, I'm tired of what I'm doing. Isn't that crazy? I just finished college myself. I, I, you know, I work at MnDOT and I, they have free college through our union. And so for the past two and a half years, I've been taking classes and I just graduated. In what field? Uh, it's like a general IT degree, you know. I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, now now that you've gone through it, are you like, eh, I'd much rather drive the plow? Kinda, but I don't know. I I I. The thing is, is that I I figured out the formula to get straight A's, and I figured out how to get through it and and do well. But I uh, I don't feel like I know much, and so. I feel like when I do get a job in IT, I'm going to need some like on the job training. I'm going to need like your most entry level position. So yeah, my, my mom teaches nursing and she has said that you can go through four years of nursing school, but at, at the end of it, it's like this, your first day on the job, you have completely forgotten the last four years. Like you don't remember yeah. any of it. And yeah, that's, that's kind of a, it's crazy. Yeah. So weird. You yeah. learn more than you know, studying it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, you know, my daughter's mom is always like, dude, college is where you got to go. You got to go to college. Cause you got to be able to make something yourself and you don't make anything of yourself unless you go to college. And then my daughter one time, you know, when my, my daughter's mom was giving her the, you know, the riot act about it, my daughter said, uh, well, what about dad? He never went to college and he's doing pretty well. And I was like, ah, <laughs> that's right. He is in your face. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, more people can do trades and stuff like that. Like, I just think it's so hard when kids go to college and they're not ready. And, you know, then they're racking up a hundred, 200,000 in debt and trying to pay that off the rest of their lives. They can never buy a house, all that stuff. Yeah. So if you just go into a trade that you like or hold off and work for a while till you figure out what it is you really want to do, and then, you know, you'll figure it out. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that I know that it, when they, you know, jump into this game of comedy at 21, it's like, I know that they go, so your, their parents go, dude, maybe if you could part-time, just go to the, like the local, you know, uh, tech school and just learn how to become a plumber. You don't have to do it, but yep. if this comedy thing ever like shits the bed in 10 years, you got something to fall back on. And right. it's so short-sighted at 21 to go, dude, that's two years of my life that I could be cranking it out. And it's like, well, not much is going to happen in that first two years of comedy. Anyways, you're going to be sitting at open mics. You're going to be eating shit. It sucks. So just get through that and then have a backup plan, which I wish I would have done. And luckily, you know, I have 20 years of, you know, doing video and editing and stuff like that behind me to help facilitate what I'm doing now. But if somebody were to, if I could go back and tell myself, what is, you know, what is, what would be the thing you would change? I'd be like, dude, just take two years and just go figure out a trade that you really like to do, you know, welding, yeah. whatever it is. It helps yeah. so much, man. And I think maybe it would ease the anxiety of this career a little bit too, because <laughs> you wouldn't be like, I had grinding it out all the time, like taking like, Hey, I got a $50 gig all the way in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. You're like, I'll take it. <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I mean, you, it takes forever in this business to make decent money. It's it's and not everybody ever does. You know, there's still people that are stuck at open mics and cannot get a gig. You know, it's hard. It's a, it's a it's a terrible business. I always say if I didn't love doing stand up so much, there is no way I'd be involved in this business. It's an awful, awful business, but I just love it so much. I can't leave, you know? Yeah. Well, when you talk about like um, those early shows, when was that first time you realized like, oh shit, I'm good at this? Because I don't know if anybody's told you, Maggie, but you are fucking good at stand-up comedy. I've been doing it a long time. So I kind of figured out the formula, how to how to do it. But um, I, uh, I don't know. I think it took me many years to kind of get in that position. There was for sure the first year or two of doing comedy about you know what you thought would work and what you thought would be funny just isn't and then you get up there and you do all these things you don't think are funny and they're killing and so you're like what I don't understand why is it so different on stage than when I'm just hanging out with my friends and so there's that whole thing that you have to figure out and then I, I mean for me it took me a long time to really get comfortable really kind of talk about myself and really sort of find my voice in it I remember even I think I was about eight years in and this club asked me to headline, which I had never headlined before. And I said, okay. And I went to this club and, um, Oh, what was his name? I'll think of his name in a minute, but he was featuring and he was so funny. He just blew me out of the water. And I go up there headlining after him with my notebook on the stool because I was so uncomfortable and thought I would forget my jokes. And I just, tanked it 
and uh, wasn't ready. It took me a couple of years to like go back and headline again. And I mean, I, if I see anything from that club, my, my, my tail just goes between my legs and I feel bad because I said yes before I was ready. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm ready now. I can, I can do it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it now. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. It is weird when um, you have that feeling of like, you know, you're in your basement and you're, you're rehearsing and you're going over word for word and you're like, God, this is so good. And then you get up and it does nothing. And then somebody drops a dish in the back and you react to it and the crowd fucking falls out of their chair. And you're like, why it doesn't I, make it. Yeah. Why am I wasting all of this time? Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I mean, and it, 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 but I think that's sort of the magic of it too, is having it be in the moment, having it be live, reacting to what's going on and being able to weave that into what you're talking about is just, sometimes you watch people do that and you're like, this is just magic. And I, I just, that's the part that kind of gives me goosebumps and makes me come back and makes me want to do it more and more and more. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, for anybody who starts out right away, you know, people will ask like, where, what should I do? And I'm like, well, first off, number one, um, just start doing it. That's the only yep. way you're going to learn how is just by doing it. And then there are comedy classes that you can take. And I know they kind of get frowned upon, but for anybody who is like just starting, like has never done it before sure. and wants to try it. I'm like, go ahead and pay 150 bucks down to the local club or the Stevie Ray's comedy cabaret and just sure. do for 150 bucks. But for those first like three years, you try so hard to yeah. write the material as you are told to write it. Like you need to have a header and then a setup and then a punchline. And then you watch everybody else and you watch comedians get up and just roll with it. And everybody's falling out of their chair and they're like, I haven't heard a single joke, <laughs> like, right. but these people are crushing. How is this possible? Right. Yeah. It's it's crazy <laughs> that, that there is sort of like an underlying, I don't want to say like a, um, like a cosmic thing about it, but, but there's gotta be like a subconscious, a crowd can just tell when you're good and when you're not. Oh, for sure. And half of that is faking that you're confident, you know, even if you're not good, if you're selling it, it's, they're like, Oh, well, this guy thinks he's funny. I'm going to say, I think he's probably funny. Let's give him a, we'll give him a chance. He's probably funny, but, uh, <laughs> right there i think like what you were saying about comedy classes and stuff is we all have to start somewhere and for some people it's easier to kind of have that um structure you know with writing and 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 more of a i think you know your first time you're performing in front of all your classmates and so it's it's easier it's it, it's not a bunch of strangers but it doesn't matter which way you start. You don't need to pay a dollar for comedy, but if you want to and it helps you, then by all means, go for it. If you buy a book and it helps you, go for it. Everybody has a different path, you know, but I don't think you need to spend a dollar if you just keep going and doing and rewriting and recording and rewriting and recording and doing it again and trying different things. And I mean, that's the greatest thing about when you're starting off, you can do all sorts of different things. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're uh, succeeding or not, because it, you aren't, you know, in the beginning. And so the more shit you try and the more you're going to hone your own voice and hone your, what makes you different and unique from everyone 
everyone else. And so I just think that's a, a great opportunity to just be a goofball and just enjoy and try everything. Yeah. Uh, Dimitri Martin, when he, right before he kind of blew up, he had told this story about how he was talking to Dane Cook one night in New York and Dane, and he was like, basically kind of saying like, God, man, I really kind of like want that success that you have. Like I'm trying really hard. And even though, you know, it might not come, I'm still proud of what I'm doing. And Dane basically told him, Hey man, um, I'm locked into this. I got to be that guy that wears the bedazzled jeans. And I got to be that guy that goes out with the crazy hair and run around and do crazy shit. You can do whatever you want. Still like, don't, don't wish it away. Cause it's going to be gone yeah. one day. And then you're going to be locked into something. And that is kind of the nice thing that you can try shit. And then maybe it'll work for five years. And then you're like, I want to try something different, but yeah, man, Dane, it's not like Dane cook could like, get like a stand-up bass player behind him and do what Mitch Hedberg did ever. People wouldn't accept it. Yeah. People would piss when they at that show, they'd be like, give me my money back. Who is this? This is bullshit. Absolutely. Speaking of recording, you have a recording coming up. Listen, Rudy, we're postponing due oh. to COVID reasons. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh, that's a bummer. And uh, yeah, because I'm ready and it's going to be great, but I mean, even at our New Year's show, we've had no trouble selling out both shows every year. And this year it was like half people for both shows. I think the the numbers are so high right now and people are so scared to go out that I just don't think it's worth it to do right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's bad. It's too bad. because. Well, you know what? Maybe this will be the second wave because I noticed when we got back out, crowds were super receptive and they loved it. And maybe this will be the next wave where if you were to go out and do it now, it wouldn't jokes wouldn't hit as hard as they would when you do it six months from now, when we're kind of hopefully knock on wood back to normal. I, yeah. And I want to do it right. So, and I'd love to have it packed in there and just slam the doors off the place. So uh, we're going to wait. Yep. Sorry. I don't <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of uh, my dog. Hey, Paul. Hey, hey. So that your wife can get a. Hey, come here, dude. Come here. Come over here, bud. Come over here. I know. Oh, we're, we're, dude, there he is. There is. Hi, Paul. Oh, he's a good looking dog. I just want to bite his face off. He's so cute. Oh, he needs some now oh yeah no, no no this is what we do i was on the phone earlier today and i was having to have like a somewhat mildly important phone call and the whole time i'm on the phone he's just at my foot doing this dude what's up you don't know no. there's no more love to everybody else you pay attention to me yeah when it's time it's time yeah right on okay well please let me know when you uh decide uh when this is going to be booked i can't wait uh this will be i you know my friend tori and her husband nick are just like ecstatic over it they can't wait so i i hope they come to it it'll be a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to it to myself but yeah i don't know when right now well yeah. it's up in the air and uh extreme maggie.com is that where you find all the handles to social yeah yeah and dike it yourself a lot going on even though you're not doing the recording you got a ton of shit in the hopper i yeah i like i like being busy and doing fun stuff and being silly and yeah for sure fantastic right on well we'll put uh, we'll put some links they caught the earlier episode of dyke it yourself but we'll throw some links and that'll be fun and uh i i find you to be not only uh 
as hysterical as you are nice, but I find you to be a great human being. And I wish more people will like you and your wife and Rudy. love you to death. Rudy, you're too much. Listen, I love you too. And oh boy, did we had so much fun when we went to your house for your birthday show. That was one of the best nights ever. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing because you th- seem to have a lot of fun stuff in the hopper and you really make fun and creative stuff too. And it's really a joy to watch you come up. And oh. so- nice to be your friend rudy and i appreciate all the kind words oh right on all right well you guys go and enjoy your friday off thank you so much for making time with me thank you rudy you take care air high five Mm. (laughs) (laughs) all right maggie we'll see you later all right take care rudy yep bye the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.